Well, I want to start by saying rest in peace to Colby and Gianna Bryant and the seven others lost in the tragic helicopter accident in Calabasas. I'm going to talk about my time meeting young Kobe in 1997 after his first season in the NBA. From a basketball icon to hockey's great one, we talk Wayne Gretzky stories with his 59th birthday this week. Rangers beat writer Larry Brooks shares his Gretzky blue shirts memories and whether or not Alexander Ovechkin can catch his magical 894 goals. I also talk with my friend and former Ranger teammate, the outspoken Chris Katsopoulos. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats with the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special Welcome to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast with the New York Post. Obviously, a sad week this week in the sports world as we lost the great Kobe Bryant, a true icon across the sports world. And instead of doing our usual intro here, Ron, I wanted to start with that and honor Kobe because this was a tragic accident on Sunday and we we sent our thoughts and prayers to Kobe's family, his wife Vanessa, his three remaining children, and everyone else involved in this accident. Kobe, Ron, was was an incredible person. He grew over the years. We saw him become a great father and a great man and truly the face of the sport for a long time. And a lot of young people look up to him as kind of their hero. And this was, this was really tough for us, losing Kobe out of nowhere at just 41 years old. Yeah, and, and you say that uh, when I think back of uh, some some of the special things I've had uh, the opportunity to do. One of them was uh, to judge a Miss Teen USA pageant, and Kobe was there. Uh, he was there as an 18-year-old. He had uh, played his first season, and everyone uh, knew or started to see some of the greatness in him. But I actually got to spend three days with the guy, um, and you know how you can kind of tell someone by first impressions. I found him to be uh, a very a grounded, very classy guy. He was quiet. I, I would say uh, I wouldn't say he was uh, uh, cocky, but he was um, very humbled and just a real pleasure to be around. So for three days in '97, we judged the 15th annual Miss Teen USA pageant. In fact. I, I've had that picture. I picked it up the other day, and um, um, and yet when I think about who introduced me, it was President Trump that actually introduced me to him because he owned the pageant at the time. So I, today I decided out of uh, respect and to honor the man, I posted it on uh, Twitter, Instagram. So you can find that picture if you want to see it. But uh, he was I was really impressed with his character, and we saw a lot of that through the course of his career. And Ron Kobe is was a father and had four beautiful children and tragically lost one who many were calling Mambasita. And really, you know, his legacy was in her and she was going to be in the WNBA. She was maybe going to go to UConn, be a star at UConn's women's basketball. And as a father yourself, I mean, I'm sure you could put yourself in those shoes and try to think, wow, what if you lost a child in an accident uh, it's it's hard to think about. It's hard to comprehend, Ron. And um, you know, he we talk about it because he was such an icon across the whole sports world. 
that it's still with us today. Like four days later, there's new things coming out about him. And every day as more stories are shared and more quotes are posted and the different tributes that have gone around from L. Duncan to Jimmy Fallon. You heard Shaq get emotional, Dwayne Wade. He really touched so many lives across the entire spectrum of the world. If you didn't like sports, you still knew Kobe. Kobe was like, we talk about Cher on the show. Cher, a Madonna. He was an icon. And uh, this it really hits home for really anyone. I hated the Lakers. I hated when the Knicks and Nets went up against Kobe because you knew how much of a competitor he was and how he's going to make clutch shot after clutch shot. And uh, it's really uh, a tough pill to swallow days later, man. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it it reminds you of other greats, the Michael Jordan. And uh, when you transfer into hockey, the great Wayne Gretzky. So I've had the pleasure of playing against Wayne, and I've had the pleasure of playing with Wayne. We played in a Canada Cup together when he was a young man. And then uh, towards the end of my career, I ended up in L.A. And so I got to see who Rain really was because, you know, it was obvious what he was like on the ice his greatness, uh, how he played the game, the class about him. So it, there's a there's some real strong comparisons between those two. And when I uh, when I think about Gretz, I have kind of some uh, some funny stories because people know Gretz uh, mainly for his skill on the ice. But I actually got to compete against Gretzky after his first year as a rookie in the NHL. I um, I was represented by IMG uh, management and so was Gretz. And we were asked to compete against each other in a superstar event, which is athletes competing against each other. And so that was the first time I I met Wayne and, uh, you know, similar to Kobe, quiet, humble, uh, carried himself very well. And so I spent like, like maybe four or five days around Gretz anyways, to talk about the superstar event. Uh I was a little bit older, so I felt like I had an opportunity to win this thing. And so the event starts and I play uh, in the uh, tennis because there was various categories. You had to pick five categories that you wanted to compete in. So I picked tennis and I end up winning tennis. And then I pick weightlifting because I lifted a lot of weights back then. And I went against some Mike Ruzioni. So the three hockey players were Jim Craig, Mike Ruzioni, and Gretz, myself. Uh, four of us, actually. And uh, so I go in weightlifting and I win the weightlifting event. So now I've won two events, and they told me, says, listen, if you get to win three, more than likely you're going to win the whole Superstar event. So now I'm in the 100-yard dash. And then Gretz is in the finals of the win 100-yard dash. And I'm looking around. There's him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Julia Serving, Daryl Griffith. So I'm thinking, I can probably be Gretz, because Gretz was maybe 150 pounds, and I was twice his size. I got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I can probably beat him. And so I'm very confident if I can just finish in the top three, I can probably win this whole thing. So 100-yard dash, the gun goes off, I take off, I'm out of the gates, 25 yards into it, I'm in first place, I'm ahead. We get to about 35, 40-yard marker, and you know when you say you can hear footsteps? Well, I can feel the footsteps of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's like right next to me. By the 50-yard marker, he's now one yard ahead of me, but I can't see anything to my right. And we get to the 75-yard marker, and I look over, and there's Gretz. I mean, he is passing me, and I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? Because as a player, I didn't think of him as a fast skater. He was a good skater, but not a fast skater. So I didn't think of him as being a great runner. But sure enough, at the end of all this, 100-yard, Gretz beats me, Abdul-Jabbar beats me, everyone beats me. I finished in last place. 
but I guess with last place finish, I got the one point. So at the end of the story is um, I did well enough. Uh, I did well enough to finish second overall. I won $7,500. So that's kind of my story of Gretzky that uh, when it comes to running, I mean, the guy's fast. And the other thing people um, remind me is I'm part of a trivia question with the Gretzky family. Do you know that I'm the only NA, uh, professional hockey player that I've had played with the Gretzky brothers, Keith and Brent and Wayne, in at least one game? I'm the only guy. So there you go, and that's my Gretzky story. Now, was that game in the Canada Cup? What, where did that game occur? The games that I played with Gretz, I played with him in Canada Cup, where we end up in the finals against the Russians. We end up losing. And then, of course, I played with Gretz two years in L.A. Keith, uh, we played in the minors in San Diego. And then Brett went to the Tampa Bay Lightning the um, first season. He was there. Him and I played on the same line. We played an exhibition game. He didn't make the team, nor did I, but we got to play. Any future Jeopardy players listening to the show, if, if that question comes up, the answer is Ron Duguay. So we just helped you out there. And before we wrap up this open, Ron, Gretzky, 894. Alexander Ovechkin, who you'll talk about as well with Larry Brooks coming up, is at 693. He's 34 years old right now. Do you think that Ovechkin can catch Gretzky uh, for the all-time goal-scored record? I think it'd be fun to watch. Um, I, 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 um, I believe that he's changed his ways as far as his conditioning and his off-ice activities. Um, he's he's uh, he was uh, he made a big difference in them winning the Stanley Cup. So does he have another, let's say, five years in him to play the game at a high level? Yes, he does. If he was to play another five years, when I do the math, because he's at six ninety-three now, um, he needs another uh let's see do the math about 190 goals so 190 divided by five that's like 38 goals approximately a season that's five years now if he was to play six years it takes him to his 40th birthday then he needs to average 32 goals now i look back at gretzky in his last four years he retired these 39 his last four seasons gretzky averaged 20 goals a season now Two different players, two different era, games played differently. Can he do it? I would say he can do it, but I don't believe he's going to do it. Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, Larry Brooks, now joins us. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Uh, Larry, welcome. Uh, I guess uh, let's get started. Uh, it's been a quiet week this past week with the All-Star Weekend, but in the news again is Elias Anderson. And uh, can you uh, give us an update on him? I know uh, they've come to some sort of agreement. Well, from what I know, uh, Leas is playing with his uh, old team in uh, Sweden. And I believe this is just a, um, an attempt by the Rangers to rehabilitate an asset so that he's playing, he's on the ice, people can see him. And I would expect that the Rangers would probably uh, move him by the deadline. I think he'd probably be included in a trade. I, I, I don't think you're going to see a one-for-one. One. I don't think there's much value right now um, in Leas. I could be wrong, but I would think that Leas Anderson would be part of a trade at the deadline. Okay, so the All-Star Weekend has come and gone, and uh, I spent some time watching this year just because of being curious. 
for some of it, it's become very entertaining, especially the uh, skills competition. And, um, and so then there's the game. I'd like, because you've been watching the game. I, uh, I, when I look back at myself, I actually got to play in one of them when it was in Washington and uh, the game was taken. Uh, uh, I don't want to take say seriously, but it was played differently. When you look at the all-star weekend now, what's it like for you compared to say 30 years ago? 30 years ago, it was a game, <laughs> you know, honestly, it was, it, there was a, a competition and, um, it, it wasn't quite the same as a regular season game or certainly a playoff game, the, the intensity, but, but it was a credible competition on the ice between two teams. Now, uh, I, I think it's the, the money is just too big. The risk of injury is just too great um, for players to go and put their bodies on the line in a game that is meaningless. And so it's, you know, they, they've tried all of these different formats um, over the last 20 years, say they have changed formats a number of times, multiple times. And the first year or two of the new format, it's a little bit more competitive. Guys are a little bit more into it. And then by the third year, it, it, it just becomes, you know, an exhibition, a skating exhibition, pretty much. And and I'm not sure there's anything really wrong with that. The, the fans who go seem to enjoy themselves. So, you know, who, who are we? to criticize what the fans seem to enjoy. I mean, I, 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 I wish they could put a more captivating program together for that weekend, but it's essentially a, a, a weekend for the sponsors to celebrate their, um, their relationship with the league and for the players to mingle with the sponsors. And, and then you have the fan fest. And, and so it's, it's kind of a midseason celebration of the game, of the, of the sport, of the NHL. But it's not much of, you know, it's not going to draw many eyeballs to the to the uh, to the television screen or to the computer screen. I don't think. So, so what do you think's happened to the player themselves that feel like they can just go out and play? It's less than pond hockey. And when you're thinking about showcasing yourself personally, I don't understand the mindset of this player that goes out there and essentially doesn't even play as hard as they would in the summertime. And when you think about, and there's my comment to this, why is it, and they talk about injuries. I understand that, like no hitting. But why wouldn't you go into this game like you would in a regular practice? The pace, the speed, the intensity that you would do in a regular practice, where of course you're not thinking about getting hurt, but there's a sense of pride in wanting to play hard, wanting to be... Uh, play for your coach and for your teammates. I just don't get the mindset of this current player that thinks that that's nice looking hockey. And I don't get why the league and the coaches that are coaching can't tell these players, look at this is almost embarrassing. The pace you guys are playing at. I can tell you every alumni I talk to, especially the ones who have played in these games just are disgusted with the mindset of these current players that think that this is nice hockey. You know what I think? And, and honestly, I, I can't answer that question for you. I mean, th that's a question probably you would have to, to ask, you know, Connor McDavid and, and uh, Nathan McKinnon and, and, and those guys. But my sense is that there's probably some group think, and there's probably some peer pressure on the younger, you know, I, I think, you know, again, I, I, you know, I haven't been in one of these games, so 
it wouldn't surprise me if if first time participants or younger guys come in there and they're ready to go and they look around and the older guys say, wait, 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 you don't understand what this is. And again, I, 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 I'm not sure that I understand the mentality either. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to hear you articulate your feelings like that, because I know when I the first few years and I watched it like this, I, I was turned off. I was offended. Yet no one else seems to be. Well, now you seem to be. So I don't know. I, I, I think, though, they're, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of trendy not to try in the All-Star game. I, I don't have a better way to put it. I wish I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're on the same page as that. And I just said I needed to get that out because quietly behind the scenes, us alumni talk and we all feel the way, like feel that way. No one watches the game. And so having said that, moving forward, this week is uh, Gretzky's birthday, and he was there. It was good to see him there. And uh, and Ovechkin is not there uh, for his own personal reasons, and I kind of get it. You know, at, at one place, one time in your career, you may earn the right to not go and play. You want to take those days off because, again, there's a big push for him to not only try to win the Stanley Cup, Ovechkin, this year, but also uh, everyone's talking about him possibly catching Wayne Gretzky. And the scoring, total scoring. And so your thoughts on Ovechkin on possibly catching Gretzky to reach his totals? I think he can do it. I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see to, to see this evolve. Um, he's going to have to score 40 or 50 for a few more years. It's it, He is not slowing down. You know, Alex Ovechkin took control of his career three or four years ago. He 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 turned history his way. He turned history Washington's way. And and how did that happen? Because he finally got into shape. He finally got into shape. And he was not in good physical condition four, five, six years ago to be an elite NHL player. He just wasn't. He didn't work hard over the summers. He came in. He let his natural talent elevate him to a certain position and then you'd run into the playoffs and they'd get knocked out in the second round and he wasn't in good enough shape and and he came to a moment of truth maybe three summers ago four some three summers ago i guess or two summers ago um and and got into great shape began to take him began to take conditioning a lot more seriously and that's why he's in the position he's in he is i believe and i think this is has been the case since he's come into the league the most captivating player in the league, the most compelling player in the league, the way he plays the game. But some of his um, off-ice stuff and, and uh, you know, his... his uh, I mean, I think skipping the All-Star game now twice is a bit much. I really do. And and as you point out, what's you know, where's, the, where's the energy going to be, you know, wasted in that game? It's not. Um, I think if you make an excuse for Ovechkin, you can make one for the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. Um, so I don't particularly approve of Ovechkin skipping the game, but that doesn't detract from from the player he is. And and I think it's going to be uh, I, I think he's going to take aim at Wayne. I really do. I don't know whether yeah. he's going to get there or not, but he's certainly a credible threat. Yeah, well, I've done the math a little bit approximately. If he was to play another five years, he would have to average 38 goals a season and you know he's 34 that takes him to 39 when you look at Gretzky I kind of looked at his numbers what he averaged in his last four years he only averaged 20 goals a season and so do you think 
the way the game is being played now would allow him to score more goals versus Gretzky wasn't able to keep up at the pace where Gretzky was averaging almost 55 goals a season. Then he dropped the last four years at 20. So how would you explain that? No, I, I, I think that I, I think that Wayne took a lot of, of I think Wayne was pounded at the end of his career. In fact, I know he was pounded his last his last three years with the Rangers because I saw it. And um, maybe not as much as first year because his first year here, the Rangers, you know, they went to the conference finals. Uh, the 94 gang was still around. You know, Mark was still here and, and Leach and Graves and everyone basically was still here from 94. Um, and it was a team that made a run and decimated by injuries during the playoffs or else who knows, they might've been able to pull it off. Um, but then his second year and his third year, he was pounded physically pounded. And I remember being and writing a number of times, just being aghast at the way the Rangers allowed Wayne Gretzky to get hit without any retribution, um, one night in Philadelphia, I remember Luke Richardson just ran him into the boards. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And the Rangers just, yeah, all right, you know, okay, let's go. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think Wayne physically um, was not able to produce the same way um, that Ovechkin might be able to. It, it's, it's a much less physical league right now. You basically can't hamper anybody when, they, when they've got the puck. And he's, he's a big, powerful man. So I think Ovechkin probably will age a little bit better than than Wayne did. Knowing Gretzky, because you've known him for a long time, he's a classy guy, really good guy. I'm sure you have a good relationship with him. Would you want Ovechkin to beat his record? Particularly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, we're going to leave it at that. Larry, good talking with you. Till next Thanks. week. Thanks, Ronnie. And my next guest is a longtime friend, a hockey player. Him and I uh, compete against each other at the uh, major junior level. He was in Windsor. I was in Subray. And then we ended up on the same team with the New York Rangers in 1980-81. And then I competed against him as he went on to play on other teams. But we remain friends, uh, good friends. And we uh, love to talk hockey. Uh, and welcome to the show, Chris Katsopoulos. We call him Kotsi. Why don't you share your uh, how you went from Windsor junior team to making it to the New York Rangers? Uh, things were looking good when I was in Windsor. I mean, I made the team as a 16-year-old, but uh, the next season they had a new coach and things kind of went downhill and I uh, I got sent back home and I ended up floundering a little bit around for a couple of years with tier two teams, Collingwood, uh, Ontario, and then I actually quit hockey for a year and I joined a summer hockey league in uh, Toronto there at Double Rinks Arena, and, and it was Carl Brewer. I don't know if you remember Carl Brewer. You should, because he's right in our uh, wheelhouse uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I played with his team one summer, and a, a friend of mine saw me uh, play there and said, listen, I can uh, get you a tryout, you know, pro. And I'm like, pro, really? Like, you know, I kind of like screwed myself when it comes to the draft, and I ended up going to Toledo, which was a farm club of years back then. I know you never got to go that low in your career, but you know that's where I started. I mean, I started out as a rookie, 19 years old, with the Toledo Gold Diggers, which was the worst farm club, I think, of the New York Rangers at the time. And, you know, I, I had a good season there and uh, moved up to New Haven the next year uh, after going to training camp with you guys in Richmond. And then I was a, pretty much a free agent. I had a choice to sign with uh, – 
Vancouver and uh, Philadelphia or the New York Rangers, but it seems I was so familiar with the Ranger organization. That's where I wanted to go, and that's where I ended up uh, playing with you guys in 80-81. Yeah, I bring that up because it's a good story. Uh, a lot of guys that, uh, not many guys, end up in the NHL undrafted. Is this that pure determination? Um, so you're described as a stay-at-home defenseman, but uh, very tough stay-at-home defenseman. What do you remember about that season with the Rangers playing Madison Square Garden, wearing that Ranger jersey? Well, it was unbelievable, uh, walk, you know, walking out there onto the ice for the first time, uh, you know, playing for the New York Rangers. I mean, one of the original six. Uh, and like I said, I had some familiarity with you guys being in, in training camp the year before with you. So it was it was fun. I mean, we had, we, we had a really a, a different team, I think, that year. And I think you'll remember it. I mean, uh, you know, we had Phil Esposito, who retired about halfway through the season. Uh, you know, he had some pretty good players, like, on the defensive side already that, that could handle the puck. So I kind of figured that early that, you know, the only way I'm going to get any ice time here is play a stay at home type, uh, you know, tough physical defenseman, you know, stick up for my teammates, hit, hit a few people. <laughs> and I think, I think it carried on through the playoffs that year. If you remember Dukes, I mean, we finished 13th overall in a top 16 league. And I think we did pretty well that year in the playoffs. We, we knocked off a number four team overall and, uh, you know, we, we kind of gooned them a little bit. Let's call it what it was. I mean, that's the way we beat them. And then we beat St. Louis, who was number one all year until the last weekend of the season. And then, uh, unfortunately, we had to run into the Islanders in the middle of their, you know, four Stanley Cup uh, runs. Uh, but overall, uh, I mean, it was – I had a great time there. I just wish it would have been a little bit longer. Yeah, unfortunately for you, Freddie, um, Herb Brooks, Freddie Shearer gets fired. Craig Patrick takes over, and the next season, Herb Brooks comes in, and he decided that uh, he wanted to make his team smaller and a little bit quicker. And that didn't work so well for yourself. But for uh, for those listening, if you want to see what it was like to play against Kotze, especially in that year as a Ranger, 81 we played against the Kings in the playoffs, and there was an all-out brawl. And uh, you can Google that, and uh, Kotze was in the middle of all of that, right, Kotze? Well, I mean, it was part of, part of the game back then. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, again, I, I knew what my role was. I mean, to stay at home, play play tough, uh, be physical, clean out the front of the net, uh, stick up for my teammates and I think in that brawl when you when you really look at it uh you know it was Eddie Hosper that started it all I mean let's call it what it is Eddie you know boxcar at times had a few screws loose in his head snuck around everybody took a shot at Marcel Dion the next thing you know it all hell broke loose and yeah I got involved I mean it, my team's out there you know we were short a couple of guys a couple of our guys went into the dressing room I mean you really look at the ball. Everybody got involved there, Ron, including yourself. You were out there doing doing what you had to do too. So, uh, you know, when I look back at that team, you know, I think you and I have talked about it, and Gresh has talked about it, and Nikki, and you know, a whole bunch of guys are playing that team. It, we may not have had the, the best fighter that ever played for the New York Rangers, but boy, as a as a whole, as a pack, I think that was a, probably the toughest team the New York Rangers ever had. Yeah, I agree with you. So to today, uh, in the news is Gretzky. It's his birthday this week. So we've been talking Gretzky. What was it like for you as a defenseman to have to defend Wayne Gretzky? Well, you know, people don't. I, I, you probably, they probably hear this all the time. But you know, you you have to face off against him. I had to worry about him beating us because let's face it. Uh, 
When they beat you at center ice, Rod, nobody wrote that down in the paper. But when they beat when he beat me inside our blue line, I look like the fool. So, yeah, Gretz, Gretz, Gretz is like probably, uh, you know, between him and Lemieux, to me, they're the two best players that ever played when it come to the offensive game. And uh, his mind was just so far ahead of everybody else. As we all like to think we could uh, read the play and, and think ahead of time. And I think we all did that pretty good uh, to a point, you know, otherwise you wouldn't have got to the NHL. But I think Gretzky was probably about three minutes ahead of everybody. I mean, really, what do you think about it? Uh, just he was he, he made everybody better around him. You know, Dukes, I mean, think about it. I mean, nobody ever heard of Paul Coffey or, you know, Yari Curry or anything like that. I mean, we, we all knew they were NHL caliber, but they they turned out to be superstars. I mean, Mark Messier as well. I mean, I think Mark Messier learned a lot from Wayne Gretzky, quite honest. And I think Mark Messier went on to show, you know, what kind of leadership Wayne Gretzky had when he when he ended up winning the Stanley Cup in New York. But playing against Gretzky, not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun at all. Yeah, and so in the news also this week with the All-Star Weekend is Ovechkin. He doesn't go to the All-Star Weekend because he's saving himself. He's hoping to win another Stanley Cup. Plus his goal, I believe, is to try to – Catch Gretzky with uh, Gretzky scoring 894 goals. Ovenskin has, after scoring last night, he has 693. What do you think Ovenskin's chances of being able to catch Wayne Gretzky's record? Probably everybody that played against Gretzky thought that that'd be a record that uh, would never be broken. But uh, as the years have gone on, and I'm watching the game of hockey today, the, you know, the game's. Uh, you know, basically suited for a guy like Alex Ovechkin right now. Here's a guy that's big, strong, uh, can skate. Obviously, he shoots the puck because he leads the league in shooting almost every year. Uh, you know, he's had the path of least resistance. And what I what I mean by that is like, yeah, we none of us really ran, you know, Wayne Gretzky back then because he never really bothered us physically. But Ovechkin likes to play a physical game, and so I believe sometimes he's borderline reckless. But the players today don't respond to him at all in any kind of way and, and give back to him. So he's got an easy path uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's, uh, he's got potential to do it. I mean, let's, let's face it. Uh, you know, he's 34, I think going on 35 maybe. And, you know, if he plays four or five more years and continues to score at this pace, he's going to be right there. I mean, I'll, I'll begrudgingly say, yeah, he's got a shot at it. Uh, but, uh, Please don't ever compare him to Wayne Gretzky when it comes to the overall talent. Please don't do that. Your wish is for him to get close, but not to beat Gretzky. Not to beat Gretzky. Yeah, I, I want a close, but no cigar with him. You know. In the news, also is the All Star Weekend. You guy, you and I have talked about this, and you're you're old school like me. Uh, there was a time when the All Star Game meant something. Uh, what are your thoughts when you're watching some of the All Star Weekend? It rhymes with game. I think I think the word would be lame. It's kind of lame, big boy. I mean, it's it, it, it. I think with the salaries and the money that these guys make now, and I think it goes to all sports, personally, uh, football, basketball, you name it, baseball. I think it, it, it's become a farce. Let's call it what it is. It's not really a game anymore. I think I think they could sit down and, uh, you know, I'm sure the owners don't want their players to get hurt. That's part of it too. You know what I mean? But I think they could actually sit down one day, and maybe get the best Xbox players out there. and, you know, maybe they should just Xbox the actual game. And the only thing they should leave is, uh, well, I mean, really, dudes. I mean, it was really boring. I mean, it's been boring. The last time the All-Star game was any good, in my opinion, 
was 1985-86, and that's when Wendell Clark went into Hartford and ran everybody all over the rink. Yeah, Wendell, Wendell played with me in Toronto. It was his rookie year. He ended up being selected, representing the Leafs. And he told us before he went there, he, he doesn't know how to play the game any other way. So he went out there and ran everybody, and everybody got all upset. Not me. I thought it was great. <laughs> you do what you got to do, boy. Go ahead. But I think I think deep down, okay, dude, but the only good part about the All-Star game, I think the fans actually do want to know who the fastest skater is, and they do want to know who has the hardest shot, and they do want to know who has the, the best accuracy. But other than that, the game's pretty lame. Yeah, the uh, it's become very entertaining. The skills competition I like because they make it fun. And I get that. But the game itself is where I have a problem. And my thought is this. What if the All-Stars show up for the weekend, the, they do the entertainment part, and then they select one player on their team? Like the guy would be like the unsung hero. They come in and they actually play the game. I think then you might see some intensity. But the way it is now, it's it's embarrassing how lack it is. So, uh, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's because you follow the you follow the current team. You follow the Rangers. You go to a lot of games. You go to some games. You watch every game. What are your thoughts on the team and how it looks moving forward? Well, I, I think I think uh, I, I actually think they're better than than most people thought they'd be this year. I mean, you think about it. I mean, yes, they're eleven points out of a playoff spot, but I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that they'd, they'd be challenging for a playoff spot right off the bat with this team. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of young guys on this team, dudes, and there's a few guys on this team that are finally realizing what it takes to be an NHL player, like D'Angelo and. You know, and a few others. I mean, they're, they're starting to learn, and, and you got a good core with Panarin and and Zibanejad. And I, I think I think the part that's lacking right now is some of the younger guys. And, and when I say that, guys that have been on the team for you know a couple of years or more now might not have have have, have accelerated in that maturity uh, department when it comes to what it's like to actually being not just a pro but an NHL pro. So. Uh, I, I like Dave Quinn. I, I like I like the way he coaches. I know a lot of people, you know, have their grievances with him, but I think he understands what he has. And I, I also think they they have a big conundrum there with uh, with the goaltending situation. And and I I've told you, you know, privately, and I'm telling you now again. I think George is capable of being a number one goaltender. Let's call it what it is. Now that's that's not to say that Henrik Lundqvist can't play. A, play up to his potential anymore it's just that's a problem that you know jd and uh, jeff gordon are, are going to have to work out i mean they have three potential number one goaltenders there what's going to happen at the trade deadline who knows is chris Kreider going to be around uh i mean there's a lot there's a lot to be done uh still for the new york rangers i think jd you know he came in at the right time uh there's, there's a good core of, of group of players and I just think uh, something's going to happen here at the trade deadline, dudes, for them to go forward and figure out who's going to be here, not just for a year or two, but for at least three to five years. Well, I'm going to ask you about defensemen because you being a defenseman playing in the NHL. Your thoughts on Jacob Truba, because they spent a lot of money on this guy. Do you think they're getting their money's worth out of him? Well, I, I think at, at first, uh, I, I think he struggled at first. Uh you know, I mean, eight million bucks a year—that's a lot of money, boy. I wish I could play today. <laughs> Don't we all? But uh, people always complain about like salaries and stuff like that. This guy, you know, got this. This guy got that. But what? 
the question I have for everybody is, was he not one of the biggest names out there? Yes. Did the Rangers go out and get him? Yes. Was the cost costly? Absolutely. Uh, I think I think in his last like like ten or fifteen games, he's starting to prove that 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 he's start starting to play like an eight million dollar year player. So, you know, I, I think I think in the end, I think it all work out for him. You know, but everybody always looks at salaries and stuff like that, and there's nothing you can do about that. That's the price of uh, poker in the NHL today. I mean, when there's free agents and there's trades to be made. You have to accept the fact that sometimes you're going to pay. Okay, we're going to end it with that. So, um, good talking with you. We'll do it again, Chris. We'll see you at the Garden. Yeah, absolutely. This is next time, make it on time. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice a wrap for episode nine of up in the blue seats thanks to our producer jake brown for making it happen subscribe to the show and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcast you can also follow me on twitter at ron 10 thanks for joining us let's talk next thursday